Um, and since this was kind of a special day that, that we're going to honor our grads, I thought maybe we could talk about some questions that they don't ask on the SAT. Um, so when you're in high school and in college, one thing for sure is you get tired of taking tests uh, because that seems like it's all you do. There's always tests. There's regular tests. There's final exams. And then when you get through, there's the SAT and the ACT and the GRE and the MAT and the LSAT. And there's just however far you want to go in your education, there's another test that you have to take to get there. And so the secret to doing well on these tests is knowing the right answer. So you spend a lot of time learning the right answers so that you, you can you know, do well on the test because it's important to know the right answers. And uh, some people, you know, they call the Bible a, a book of, I've heard people say the Bible is a book of answers, that um, the answer to everything you really need to know about life can be found in there. And, and that's one way to look at it. But yeah, you know, I prefer to think of the Bible as a book of questions because the Bible asks some really good questions. And what I believe to be true about life is that to be successful, you have to know the right answers. But to find a life that is meaningful and has joy, you have to know the right questions. And so this morning, I just want to share with you five questions that I think will make a difference in our lives. Five questions the Bible asks that if we really apply these, they really will make a difference. And so the first question I want to ask this morning is this one. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And the first question is one of priority. Because every one of us, we have so many years to live this life. And we have to decide what are we going to spend our lives on? What are we going to do with these one incredible life that we have? What are we going to spend it on? And, and you know, when you get older, you, you get toward the end, you look back and you can see what you have literally spent your life on. What have you invested your time and your hours doing? So, you know, a man works hard to achieve certain goals that he set for himself. And unfortunately, in his single-minded pursuit of those goals, alienates his family. And then one day achieves all those things he wanted to achieve, but has no one to celebrate them with. She finally makes more money than she ever dreamed she could make, but she doesn't like who she is. So what good is it to achieve your goals and gain all these successes if you lose yourself in the process? Now, there's nothing wrong with having high goals. I, mean, I hope you do. And there's nothing wrong with making a lot of money. I hope you do. But it's relationships that bring us joy in life. Relationships are what makes our lives meaningful. So you, can, you see, you can be very successful and have good relationships and have joy in your life. You can be very prosperous and have good relationships and have joy in your life. You cannot be successful and prosperous and have no relationships and have no joy and have joy in your life because the joy comes from the relationships. 
the meaning and the purpose comes from the relationships we build, not all the other things that we sometimes put so much emphasis on. Those are what bring us lasting meaning and joy. And, you know, there's a difference pursuing something just for money or pursuing something because you're passionate about it. The, the word vocation means calling. And if, if you're fortunate enough to have a vocation in which you really are passionate about and you care about, um, then, then that's a wonderful thing because doing something that matters to you uh, is fulfilling and it brings joy. It, it fulfills our soul. Um, uh, I, those of you who know me know that I'm one of those uh, obnoxious Apple people. Uh, you know, I only use a Mac. Everything I have is Apple. I'm big Steve Jobs fan. And uh, when Isaacson first came out with, that, with his biography on Steve Jobs, you know, I got it first day it came out and read it. And Steve Jobs has always fascinated me because here's a guy who was a multimillionaire in his early 20s, but he didn't care. <laughs> All he cared about is he wanted to change the world. And that was his passion. That was his goal. And uh, when, when, things, when Apple first really got going, he had this big house. He had no furniture. He slept on a mattress. He didn't even have a bed. He's a millionaire. He drove a motorcycle to work because he didn't have a car. He didn't have time to go spend any of the money because he was so passionate about what he was doing. I mean, that's what fills his life. That's what gave him meaning. And, and it, 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 was, it wasn't all about the money. It was about what could he do that filled his soul. And those of you who are PC users, the same thing can be said of Bill Gates, um, one of the richest men in the world. But his passion was never the money. His passion was creating the next uh, important software that, that would do the next amazing thing. That was always his motivation. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, he has made a commitment that he's going to give away everything he owns by the time he dies. And so has Melinda Gates. They've made that same commitment. And they have tons of charities and foundations that, that do things throughout the world to help people. Um, he worked countless hours developing the next greatest software idea. And the joy came from following that passion. Now, if your passion ends up making you a ton of money like those guys did, then that's a win-win. But it's the fulfillment of our passion that really puts joy and meaning in our lives. Because what good does it do if you fulfill all your goals and you're numb on the inside? Thomas Merton said, it's really frustrating when you spend your whole life climbing the ladder of success on get to the top only to realize you put it against the wrong wall. <laughs> there needs to be some fulfillment in what we do and some purpose in what we do. If it's not what we do for our work, at least other time in our life that we find ways to be engaged in something that we're passionate about. And for some of you who are retired, you know, maybe your job wasn't it didn't fulfill a passion for you. It's something you did because you, you know, you like to eat and live indoors. <laughs> um, but now that you're retired, take this time to do what you really care about, what you're really passionate about, 
what really makes a difference to you, what nourishes your soul. Because what good is it to gain the whole world and lose your soul? The second question is this. Am I my brother's keeper? Uh, and that's a, a question of responsibility. And uh, that question is asked at the very beginning of the Hebrew Bible, and Jesus is still talking about it in the New Testament, and we still struggle with that today. And how we answer this question will determine, you know, whether we live our lives just for ourselves and people like us, or we have compassion on those who are different and those who are struggling and we want to do something to make a difference in their lives. We live in a time of incredible narcissism. And we're told that, you know, we have to live for ourselves and people like us because if you don't, people who are different than us are going to come take away what we have. And instead of seeing what we have as an opportunity to help everybody have the same kinds of, of opportunity and start in life. But, but we have to decide, are we going to live just for ourselves and our tribe? Or are we going to care about the marginalized and the oppressed and do something in our lives that, that makes a difference in their lives as well? Because it's true that, you know, all, all of us working together is what makes the difference. So it's really an interesting time to, to be alive uh, because we live in a both-and culture. The percentage of people who read regularly has actually diminished in the last few years. But the, the sales of books has gone up. <laughs> we live in a society that every year becomes more and more obese. But the number of people who go to the gym to work out has actually increased. It, it, there's all these both-and things going on at the same time. And even though our culture is pretty narcissistic, there, there are movements within our culture these days of people who are absolutely committed to reaching out to those on the margins and helping them have an opportunity at life. And they're finding fulfillment in investing their life in helping others. So at a time when, you know, so many are self-absorbed, there are so many who are reaching out. And there's meaning and there's purpose when we address the needs of people that all, all around us. Because it really is true that none of us are free until all of us are free. And none of us can really enjoy life until everybody has the opportunity to enjoy life. Am I my brother or sister's keeper? And I think just like Cain, we, we know the answer to that even as we ask the question. Third question, if God is for us, who can be against us? And the third question is one of determination. Sooner or later, we learn this hard lesson about life. Life doesn't work the way you planned. <laughs> and some days you're the windshield, and some days you're the bug. And there are times when everything seems to be going wrong, when nothing seems to be working the way we thought it was going to work, and sometimes you just want to quit. 
I believe one of the most important things we ever learn in life, it was the thing that made a tremendous difference in my life, is when we get to the point that deep down in our soul, we know that God loves us and that God is for us. Because when we know that God is for us, that gives us determination, even when things aren't working out the way we want them to. And, and I know, you know, we, the church, we hear that all the time. God loves you. We hear that all the time. But just stop for a minute and let that sink in. The God who created everything that exists is in love with you and is for you. God is not against you. God is for you. And sometimes when things aren't turning out the way we want, we think, well, God must be against me. God will never be against you. God loves you. God is always for you. And so, you know, when things don't work out the way we want, we, we blame God and think God must be against us, but God is never against us, not even in the difficult times. And when we understand that God loves us, that God is for us, God is pulling for you no matter what, that gives us courage and it gives us determination against whatever we face. Because if God is for you, then who can be against you? Or as I heard John Maxwell say one time, if God is for you, then everyone else may as well be. <laughs> the fourth question, where can I go from God's presence? And the fourth question is one of encouragement. Because there are times in life when God seems absent. We talk a lot about the presence of God, about God being with us everywhere we go, but there are times when it just doesn't feel like God is there. And I wish I could explain it, but I can't. But any of you who've been Christians for very long, you know this to be the case. There's just times when you feel alone. And when you pray, and it doesn't really feel like anyone's listening, and you start to question whether or not God is really with us. But God promised that God would always be with us. And it's interesting, you know, sometimes we go through these times and we feel like we're all alone. And then we get through it and we look back. And in looking back, we can see how God was there guiding us and helping us through the whole thing. We just didn't know it at the time. God will never leave you no matter what you do, no matter what you think. God will always be present with you. And even if we can't feel it, God is still there. And it's good to know that there is nowhere you can go that God hasn't already gotten there before you did. You know, for me, the, the wake-up call, I went to college, but I went to college about uh, an hour from my house. And um, it was close enough that dear old mom still did the laundry every weekend. It was great. I like to come home, you know. But when I went to seminary, that was a long way off, and I didn't know a soul. And it was cold. I'd never lived anywhere up north where it was cold. And I wondered, what, the, on the first Easter I was in seminary, it snowed. Now, when you're from the south, that is unheard of. I mean, I couldn't believe it. And I wondered, what have I done? Where have I moved to? 
And I felt all alone, and I really began to realize that, you know, God, God is here. God didn't leave me. God is always with us. Where can I go from God's presence? And then the last question, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And the last question is one of salvation. When we live in a relationship with God, it makes a difference in how we live our lives. Our priorities are different. Instead of some short-term view of life, we have this eternal perspective about life, and it makes a difference on how we see things, a difference on how we live. And, you know, when we talk about eternal life, it doesn't happen, when, it doesn't begin when you die. Eternal life begins as soon as we start a relationship with Jesus. It's right here and right now. And when I was, when I was young, I was mistakenly, I was, I was taught that salvation meant you say a prayer and then you get baptized and then, you know, you're, you're, you're saved. And it's like some transaction. But then I learned that what salvation is about, uh, it certainly involves saying a lot of prayers, and baptism is important, but it's about actually living in a relationship with God. It's not a transaction, it's a relationship. And so we live in relationship with God and every day try to become more like Jesus, try to follow Jesus. We quit trying to earn our salvation, we give up on sin management, and we just follow Jesus. And gradually, we become more like Jesus. And here's the real thing. You know, the word salvation actually means whole. So when we talk about salvation, we talk about being made whole. That I just want to live in relationship with God so that God can make me whole. That God can heal the broken pieces. That God can teach me to grow and help me to be everything God created me to be so that I can be who God created me to be and not so much who the world has caused me to be. And when we do that, we actually find our souls that Jesus warned us not to lose. So if you want to be successful in life, you need to know the right answers. But if you want to have a life that has meaning and joy and fulfillment, you need to know the right questions. And these questions can be a compass that guide us. What does it profit to gain the whole world if you lose your soul? Am I my brother's keeper? If God is for us, who can be against us? Where can I go from God's presence? And what must I do to inherit eternal life? These are the questions that guide us, that help us find fulfillment and meaning and joy and life. Amen.